You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. It was really a lot of fun. I had never created a brand for myself. Up until then, I'd always worked for clients. That was the first pop-up, and it was in two locations. So one was in East Hampton, and one was in Bridgehampton. And so I decided that since these were kiosks, and I had made a sizable investment in the business, not really knowing what was going to come back, that I couldn't afford to hire salespeople. So I decided that I was going to work both locations myself, and I was going to get to the locations before the first yoga class or uh, the other studio was Exhale, which was a bar program. So I was going to get to to these locations before the class so I could sell. Then I would take the class with the students so I would get to know the community. Then I would sell again. Then I would close that kiosk, hop in my car, and drive to the next location. That was Susan Sandler. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Welcome and welcome back, Marnie on the Move listeners. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Are you feeling the positive energy and vibes of this new year? I know we are a few weeks in, but in truth, it feels like it just started with yesterday's inauguration. These first 20 days have not been easy, to say the least, but I am feeling optimistic and hopeful. And speaking of power women, I'm very excited to introduce you to today's guest, Susan Sandler, founder of Pop-Up Summer and host of the Pop-Up Biz podcast. But before we get started, shout out to our sponsors, Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the ultra-personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. They are my go-to for understanding my inner health, looking at my blood levels, and getting great nutritional insight. Inside Tracker transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science-backed recommendations you need to reach your goals. Take control of your health and wellness. Unlock the power of your potential. Use our code for 20% off. Thank you, MOTM. And of course, there's a link in the show notes. Now, back to our guest. Susan is a true entrepreneur and pioneer. She has an eye for style and a talent for bringing brands to life through experiential, real-time, and digital activations and pop-ups. Fueled and inspired by her love of fitness and fashion, Susan launched her first pop-up in the Hamptons Endorphin Retail. It was a very unique concept at the time, incorporating fitness and fashion and was the beginning of her now company, Pop-Up Summer, which she launched in 2002. Pop-Up Summer is a pop-up company focused on presenting emerging designers and brands and their collections to new markets and audiences, pioneering a new way for them to generate revenue and gain exposure. Susan and I met at one of her amazing fitness, fashion, and beauty pop-ups 
at the Refinery Hotel in New York City years ago. Flash forward, we just wrapped production in October 2020 of season one of her business podcast, The Pop-Up Biz, where she interviews world-renowned guests from art, fashion, retail, restaurants, and talks about the latest and greatest in experiential retail, marketing, and pop-ups. Some of her guests, but you probably know, fashion icon Fern Mellis, Emmy Award-winning and Hamilton set designer David Corins, Ed Starr of BMF, Michelin star chef Austin Johnson, and clean beauty brand founder Indy Lee. And great news, the show is now on Advertising Week 360. Throughout her career, Susan has worked with hundreds of companies and brands to reach thousands of customers in innovative ways. Through Pop-Up Summer, Susan has developed successful activations and campaigns to bring brands to life and curate unique shopping experiences for consumers through merchandising, storytelling, programming, and marketing. During our conversation today, Susan shares where it all began, how her love of yoga and spinning inspired her company vision. She shares key entrepreneurial lessons she has learned along the way, the workouts and wellness routines that continue to fuel her for success, and offers an inside look at the world of pop-ups from IRL events and hybrid activations to strategic digital platforms, video shopping apps, and what brands need to be thinking about as we move into 2021. I hope you like what you hear. If you do, leave us a review on Apple. It's easy. Head over to the app on your phone, iPad, or computer. Click on the five stars. Click on leave a review and tell us what you love. Also, share this podcast with your friends on social media. Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever you hang out, wherever you share. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter, The Download. Now, on to our conversation. I'm so excited to have you as a guest on my podcast on Marnie on the Move. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so amazing the last six months because we've been working together on your podcast, The Pop-Up Biz. Thank you very much for being there for me. It was really inspiring for me to be able to be connecting with other humans besides the people in my apartment, you know, in person, COVID safe with masks and all the right protocols. So it's been really awesome. You have been a tremendous light during all this kind of darkness and craziness and also just leading me through the process, you know, getting me started and teaching me. I really appreciate it. You have such a cool company. And actually, you know, before we worked together on the pop-up biz, we met years ago through a mutual friend in the world of fitness. And you have just such an amazing talent for bringing emerging designers, brands, and beauty, wellness from all industries together. With Pop-Up Summer, your company, you really specialize in bringing brands to life through real-time pop-up shopping experiences and activations. What is it about this type of marketing platform that you love? What I love about it is that it really combines what I learned how to do in the earlier part of my career in corporate public relations at Burson Marsteller, which was about presenting and promoting brands in, in those years across many industry sectors and telling their stories to affinity groups. So rather than it being a mass merchandise, a mass communication, 
What I learned in PR is how to speak to specific groups of people that have an affinity for the product or service that you're offering. So there's a lot in that that relates to what happens in a pop-up presentation. And then also, I developed an interest in college in new technologies and digital media and pursued an advanced degree in digital media from NYU. So the technology component and the use of digital media and marketing is so core to the success of a pop-up or an experiential retailer marketing activation. So that works really well. And then I think, you know, going back, I remember how much I loved my job selling clothes at a high-end women's apparel store in high school called Nobson's in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And one of the best parts about the job is that I was like a senior in high school, and we would get a new shipment of something beautiful like Jones of New York, you know, the white wool suits. And we would pull all that aside and then call our customers, and they would come in individually, and I would work with them for maybe an hour or so to complete an outfit, you know, accessories, shoes, bags, jewelry. And they would walk out the door feeling great about themselves, and I would think, wow, I can't believe that they even took my advice. You know, so that was just so much fun. And I think that in the pop-up space, all of that is, comes to life. And that was sort of your foray into fashion when you were in high school working at a retail store. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I spent every dime I earned on clothes. And by the time I went to college, I had the best closet, which all of my sorority sisters constantly took and borrowed from me. <laughs> What inspired you to go out on your own, pursue entrepreneurship, and launch Pop-Up Summer? So my whole uh, working history prior to that was in the agency world, public relations and then digital marketing and advertising. So during 9-11, I was the general manager of an interactive advertising agency. And when 9-11 occurred, our office was downtown, and I was living in Tribeca with my family. So the neighborhood was not accessible to us any longer. And we ran out to the Hamptons the next day where we had a small beach house and came to learn that our building was not going to reopen right away. Our children's school was not going to reopen. The office building wasn't going to reopen. And we realized, okay, we have to make a decision. You know, we're either going to come back to the city live in a hotel, find new workspace, try to figure out what that looks like, or stay in the Hamptons for a while, put the kids in school out there, and, and figure it out. And so we chose the latter, and I ended up negotiating out of my contract with an agency for the first time in over 15 years, and really turned to yoga and spinning as a way of kind of dealing with the stress of what we just had gone through as a family. Being relocated in the Hamptons in the fall, the prospect of living there for many months, we didn't know how long we were going to be there. It certainly wasn't a choice. I love the city. I don't cook. I don't garden. So, you know, thinking that I might not be able to do my job remotely because in those years we didn't have the technology platforms that are available today. And, you know, one of the things that started happening is that people would follow me out of yoga yoga class or spinning and say, I really like what you're wearing. You know, where did you get that? Where did you get those leggings? Where did you get that top? And I think it's because I grew up dancing. I was a little ballerina in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I just always paid attention to the activewear that was on my body. I, I've always felt that it fits and it looks good and I can move in it, that I, I just perform better. So I think that other people maybe recognized that in classes. And so I thought, there's really a need out here. People were really getting into yoga and spinning in those years. And I remember. I remember like that was just when... When Lululemon was starting. Exactly. In fact, 
Well, we'll get to Lululemon because that's that's an integral part of the story. But I thought, okay, I'm in the Hamptons. All these other people are here as I am without necessarily planning to be here. And there is a lot of interest in new, in technology. You know, money wasn't so much of an object in terms of trying out, you know, new products and services. And I thought, I think that I'm going to create a way to showcase especially independently designed fashion, activewear, and accessories around yoga and spinning for people. So in those years, Lululemon had not launched a store on the East Coast yet. In fact, I hadn't even heard of them. I mean, oh, nobody, okay. nobody had heard of them quite, quite yet. And there were a couple of like sportswear stores, you know, the kinds of places that you might go to get a baseball bat or a like ball. Like Models. Yeah, you know, fine. I mean, love Models, but they had like a couple of the lines of fitness wear that you would expect, you know, Adidas, Nike, Under Armour, like the big major brands in those years. But in the Hamptons, the only place that you might find like Marika even as dancewear would be in a lingerie store. So I don't know, I just became obsessed with this idea of doing what I I thought would be a temporary store or a pop-up to present fashion, activewear, and accessories. And I didn't know exactly how I was going to do it, but I could feel that the pop-up concept was definitely taking off in Europe. Um, my husband and I had visited a little bit before 9-11, and I remember asking our friends where we should go for dinner, and they were like, oh, you have to go to the hot pop-up restaurants. You know, here's where they are. Here's how you get in. So I thought, okay, that's happening. And there had been a few pop-ups in, in New York City by then. So I literally thought, okay, I'm going to call it endorphin because I was living on the endorphin high. Otherwise, it was a little depressing as, you know, the weather started getting colder. It was going to be endorphin retail, and I decided to ask two of the yoga and fitness studio locations that I thought were really nice in the Hamptons who seemed to have some extra interior retail space if I could take part of their space, build it out for this endorphin retail presentation and do some kind of a percentage of sales or other financial. Right. And they were like, what do you want to do? Okay. I think that they thought, you know, it might help drive some foot traffic into their spaces. So that's what I did. And I just got online and started ordering samples and literally typed in like yoga pants. And then Lululemon popped up. I had never heard of the brand, this little company out of Vancouver, Canada. Right. And the samples came and they were adorable. I have yeah. to say. Lululemon really was awesome when they launched. I mean, they're still great, but they were they really had some great design. There was nothing like it. Yeah. You know, and it was a little expensive for yes. what people had seen up until then. I mean, an $80 yoga pant in those years was a lot of money. But on the other hand, the designs were so cute and the colors were great. And I I called them up and I said, okay, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. I'd really like to bring your, your line in. Is it available anywhere on the East Coast? And they said, no, we don't have a showroom. We don't have a wholesale strategy. We have a retail strategy. And right. we have one store in the U.S. in San Francisco. We're about to open in Los Angeles. And then we are going to make our way to the East Coast. And I said, you have to understand, you know, this is an influential market full of influencers. Right. You know, Before influencers were influencers. Exactly. But I really understood it. And I think that's because of my PR background. I understood that the people that were going to come through endorphin retail were already interested in alternative fitness and wellness. They were doing right. yoga. They were spinning. They needed something to wear. So it worked. I, I put a small order on my personal credit card right. and the product started rolling in. And then I, I used them as the core fitness brand. And my concept was to wrap that core fitness brand with 
beautiful cashmere lightweight items and little skirts and t-shirts that you could wear from the street to the studio. Right. So that was the concept. And we had other great brands like Yogini and Custo Barcelona. I had some Prada in there. I remember Ella Moss, Terry Sweat. So it was really a lot of fun. And I worked with some friends who were a husband and wife team, graphic designer and architect, who helped bring my endorphin life concept to life. So we created these original like kiosks with clear translucent covers with the logo on it. We created you know, a logo and and a story for the brand. And it was really a lot of fun. I had never created a brand for myself. Up until then, I'd always worked for clients. That's such a great story. I love it. So that was your first pop-up that you did? That was the first pop-up and it was in two locations. So one was in East Hampton and one was in Bridgehampton. And so I decided that since these were kiosks and I had made a sizable investment in the business, not really knowing what was going to come back, that I couldn't afford to hire salespeople. So I decided that I was going to work both locations myself and I was going to get to the locations before the first yoga class or uh, the other studio was Exhale, which was a bar right. program. So I was going to get to these locations before the class so I could sell. Then I would take the class with the students so I would get to know the community. Then I would sell again. Then I would close that kiosk, hop on my car, and drive to the next location. I now know why we work so well together. <laughs> Seriously. And it was exhausting, <laughs> yes. but I was on such a high. You know, the yeah. adrenaline. I was super fit. When I look at pictures from those years, I'm like really jealous of my old self. But so it was funny. it was really fun. Finding time to eat was the challenge. Speaking of getting to know the community and experiencing the energy and the culture while you're in your own pop-up, that you are also the marketing person and the innovator of this concept. I don't know if that was like the way that you got to this place of expertise where you are now, where you really do know what it takes to make a pop-up successful. I mean, there's so much magic in bringing consumers into a brand's culture through events and in-person engagement, helping them navigate the experience. How do you make that magic happen? Is that one of the ways that you do it? Going through the process yourself, how do you make that happen? I am very much a visual learner and a physical learner. So I can read about something, but until I actually do it, I I don't think it imprints on me. So, you know, you're right. Rolling up my sleeves and jumping into something where I literally had no idea what I was doing was the best lesson I could have taught myself. And I remember going to showrooms to buy product and sitting there as a, quote, buyer And the sellers using this language and this lingo about the retail industry, I had no idea what they were talking about. So I would ask like really dumb questions, which I'm sure they almost kicked me out about. The other thing I wanted to mention about that experience in terms of what it taught me going forward is that I learned that there was a lot of value for the brands in being their representative in that way and having enough space to show their complete line and telling their stories to a really specific niche group of consumers who were very interested in what they had to offer. And so I found that I could flip the business model. And rather than purchase the products wholesale, as a traditional retailer would, I brought them in as partners. And so My new model going forward, I called the collective, which has been adopted by many others, and I'm sure others used it, you know, before I did. But the idea of the collective is that we share the expense of the overhead of bringing the pop-up to life, and then we are all 
compensated on a percentage of sales. And that collective model has lent itself to a lot of wonderful cross promotions and creativity with events and influencers coming into the space that I think works really well. Yeah, so how do you make the magic happen? What are some of the key elements that make a pop-up really great? The magic should be a little bit like seeing your favorite band live for the first time. It should feel like you are learning something about a brand that you liked or a product in a much deeper and much more personal way. And so to get there, I think it's important to have a very clear strategy and theme for the pop-up that is integral to the brand or brands that you're presenting. So it's not just let's do something about local makers or sustainability let's do something that really meets the message of this particular brand or this particular group of brands so that it feels authentic and that the storytelling and what happens in the space is easy to understand and that it makes sense and people feel like they understand why they're there. When you're deciding to create these pop-ups, how do you decide who to include, where to do it, what the mix of the different things that are happening, what brands to include? Right, so in the collective environment, that I was just talking about, I'm usually inspired by either a place or an event or a particular message that I want to convey or even a brand that I think, oh, I really want to work with them and I'm going to build this collective around them. So for example, in the Hamptons, you know, we have this wonderful resort location and there is a spirit of people wanting to discover new things. They know the traditional brands that they love to wear, but there's something about the Hamptons in the summer that are very open to discovery and to new brands. And I think that's translatable to other markets like Aspen and Palm Beach and Miami and places where people are a little more relaxed. They're in a beautiful environment. So that's that's often very inspiring for me. You've created some very high profile pop-ups in New York City and the Hamptons and around the country. So why these markets and What were some of your top moments and key takeaways from these events? The opportunity to work with great brands and designers and architects and stylists, you know, no matter where that happens is so tremendous for me. I mean, I'm always learning from them and I feel like I'm I'm also mentoring them. This isn't easy. No one person can make this happen. So I think that combination of talent and excitement is, is what drives us forward. And there have been some amazing moments. We did a um, project in Soho around 2016 called the Soho Holiday Collective which presented luxury kind of high-end holiday gift ideas and apparel. And we partnered with a company called Rock Paper Photo that has an incredible collection of rock and roll photography. So we really took the idea of a salon wall and worked with one of our designers, Jess Wade, to do a combination of fashion and photography. It was an absolutely beautiful presentation. And we're lucky to have the designer Carlos Falci, who unfortunately has passed away since then, but is best known for his gorgeous personalized bags as part of that group. And so some of the events that we had in that group drew people like John Bon Jovi and his wife, Athena. We had Peter Max, who was a friend of Carlos Falci's attend, Fern Malice, and just so much fun and talent. And I remember a time in Miami, we did a pop-up called The Art of Wellness during Art Basel, where again, I wanted to present fashion activewear to women who were in Miami during this incredible art market 
open to beautiful design, buying art, but also wanting to work out, wanting to be inspired. And we partnered with Joel Warren, who had a hair salon opening in the area, to offer um, hair care, blowouts. We worked with Elements Fitness Studio who you've worked with right. before to offer classes, you know, in the space. Eric Javits was one of our credible designers. He's a very well-known hat maker. And we did an event with Antoine Verglas in that space, who is a well-known photographer of his beach beauties, who were celebrities and models and absolutely perfect for Miami. And that party rocked. You know, yeah. we just had so much fun between Joel's friends and, and the people we knew in Miami and, and everyone who came for Antoine. It was really a great night. You are so ahead of the curve with all of this, with, you know, identifying the markets to do these events, to bring the activewear, to connect wellness in the art world, in the fashion world, and kind of like vice versa, bringing the fashion to the wellness. Pretend if you can, I know it's going to take a lot, that we're not in these COVID times, right? Where would you go next? What's the next big place to go? And what would that look like? I've been wanting to work in Los Angeles for a long time, but it's a big challenge. Yeah. You know, you don't have the kind of foot traffic in Los Angeles that you do certainly in New York or in a small resort village, you know, where people are walking through the town. So I spent a lot of time and years looking at different parts of Los Angeles, studying the locale, studying who's shopping, what are people looking for? And it's such an interesting market for me, I think, because of the emphasis on the beauty industry, on celebrity, but I see it as a as a challenge that I want to I want to do it because people don't drive two blocks out of their neighborhood I mean they do a little bit but it's challenging yes and no and I I think that the way that I want to approach it is going to be tied to the art world okay the art world is so happening in Los Angeles right now and people are coming out for galleries and museums and exhibitions so I think that's the direction I'd like to go yeah and also your daughter lives in LA Yes. So it's a great reason to go over there. Any excuse to spend time in L.A. And so now, but back to COVID times, because unfortunately, that's the time we're living in. I know that you recently added digital and hybrid activations to your offerings and you hosted a workshop as well. How are you doing this? What apps are you looking at these days to digitize experiences for customers and help amplify brands? The workshop is something that I started writing last fall a year ago fall, after a long pop-up in Southampton called Global Summer Pop-Up. I thought, okay, I've been doing this for 19 years. I really want to teach people how to do it. So I just started writing everything down I could think of, everything about the strategy, the planning, the activation, the marketing. And then, you know, when the pandemic hit, I felt really lucky that I had this almost pulled together. So I started offering it on Zoom primarily to groups of people that were interested. And those were places like women's uh, work membership groups like Luminary, other kinds of mentorship groups and businesses that were interested in learning more about this space. As far as activations go, I'm very, very interested in working with every kind of platform possible. The first one that we used was Instagram Live and IGTV last summer in a project we called Hamptons Live. The idea was to present summer collections and summer products in a live summer Hamptons environment, which in this case was in a garden and a pool that was a bit aspirational for people who would have loved to have been in the Hamptons, but 
couldn't get there last summer, which was such a strange time. So all of the brands came themselves in masks and we set up, you know, Instagram ready presentations of their products. And that was everything from Sarah Flint shoes to Oko bodywear to Miramay swimwear and DJ Nicole Rosé, who if you don't know who she is, you can check out her podcast, Sup Babe. She worked with us remotely, by the way, to interview every brand founder and designer about their new collections. We went live from her Instagram and from Pop-Up Summer's Instagram, and all of our shoppers were virtual. So we encouraged people to click over to websites to buy. We had a um, charity tie-in. In fact, I love having charity tie-ins and pop-ups. I very often donate a percentage of sales to the Retreat of East Hampton, which is one of our benefactors last summer, as well as Campaign Zero, which is associated with the Black Lives Matter movement, which was very much top of mind this summer and I hope will continue to be. And Instagram has had some constraints in not being able to offer shopping on Instagram in real time. And that's about to change. So I'm very excited that they have been testing a live shopping component that will make a huge difference and be a game changer in our ability to use Instagram as a platform. I'm also very interested in video shopping apps that are applied directly to a brand's URL, Mm -hmm. where we can do live limited time sales events with influencers or designers. So there's a couple of technologies like that that I'll be working with this year. Sort of like QVC. Yeah, right on the website in real time. And I also am challenging myself and my brands to do some live shopping events on TikTok and possibly Twitch in the new year. Right. And Twitch is a gaming app. So that should be interesting. Yeah. For the right audience, of course. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. So as a marketing and brand founder, how are you marketing yourself these days? I'm finding LinkedIn to be a great business to business platform. And since I started my podcast, which is called The Pop-Up Biz, I've definitely seen an uptick on LinkedIn in terms of people reaching out, which is exactly what I was hoping for. And I'm meeting so many interesting people in the worlds of experiential retail, experiential marketing and pop-ups. I also love integrating with uh, membership groups. I'm a member of Luminary, which is a women's workspace and um, a place that really fosters individuals and their brands. We use email marketing occasionally to promote the pop-ups that we're doing and other trunk shows and special events. And of course, have Instagram and Facebook as a way to further promote our events uh, for Pop-Up Summer. Awesome. Yeah. I'm loving your new podcast, The Pop-Up Biz. But I have to say, I'm biased. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about why you wanted to tap into this platform, where it sort of began, and the idea behind your podcast. The idea behind the podcast actually came from Matt Schechner at Advertising Week. I was talking to him about my workshop, and he walked me down his hallway to show me his studio space and said, how would you like to do a podcast? And I honestly had never thought about it before. And so we talked a little bit about it. And then unfortunately, the pandemic hit and Advertising Week and their staff got very busy pivoting to a completely virtual event, a virtual platform for all of their Advertising Weeks. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought a podcast would be an 
excellent way to highlight pop-ups and experiential retail and marketing in the marketing and business world, you know, not as a stepchild to that, but as a really core component, which is what I believe. I think that any digital first or emerging brand and now traditional brand, when they are building their marketing plan, typically have live selling events in that plan, that they are very important touch points for direct-to-consumer selling or educating, and especially in these times when traditional brick-and-mortar retail hasn't been as successful, is very expensive. So I just, I I feel like I I was so fortunate to be introduced to the idea and then to remember you and find out that you are also a podcast producer and, you know, decided that we should work together and get started. And I'm, I'm so pleased that we did. And now Advertising Week is hosting the podcast and helping us promote it. Very excited about our season two, which will start up again at the end of January. That's so awesome. And so how are you finding the platform of podcasting as a business tool to engage with other industry experts, brands and personalities? I hope the podcast is raising awareness of myself and my company, Pop-Up Summer, as a strategist and an activation specialist in this world. And, you know, I think especially for the brands that I'm interviewing, I feel a little bit like I do when I'm working with them in the pop-up. It's that I'm giving them a platform to really tell their story and uh, so that people can understand a little bit more about their background, their inspirations, and, you know, what they have on their plates going forward. So I think it's a win-win, you know, for both. And who are some of your guests? (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, we just wrapped an episode with clean skincare beauty founder Indy Lee, who has a really interesting personal story and deep commitment to a mission-driven brand that I think everyone will enjoy hearing. We've had David Korins, who is an Emmy Award-winning set designer and creative director, talk about the collaborations that he's done with a number of companies, including Sotheby's and TikTok and others, to create very memorable live experiences. We spoke with Michelin star chef Austin Johnson, who's a very hot up-and-coming chef, about the pop-up restaurants that he's been doing with uh, Intersect by Lexus and with the Bergdorf Goodman's Men's Store and a bunch of others. That's so cool. Well, I love it. And I think everybody who's listening to my podcast should listen to the pop-up biz. Thank you. Enough about business. I know that you have a passion for exercise and fitness and wellness because every time I talk to you, you're, you're off to a class or you're out on a ride or you're taking tennis lessons this summer. So where did fitness and wellness begin for you? I grew up with two brothers and an active mom and dad. So we were literally always playing touch football in the yard with our neighbors, basketball until, you know, way into the night with our neighbors. And, you know, I wasn't bad. I mean, I was never a competitive level athlete like you are, but I really enjoy moving. I also did a lot of ballet growing up, seven or eight years of um, ballet, which is a very, you know, rigorous, was difficult for me, but I think great training. So just the feeling of moving and stretching and sweating is very much in my DNA. I honestly can't remember a time when I wasn't doing something. And during those super busy days, or if you're not feeling well, that that is the worst thing for me is not to be able to move. Fitness, wellness was a huge part of your business and what inspired you to create pop-up summer and to do these pop-ups. How do you 
leverage some of the lessons and things that you love from fitness into your business from a mindset perspective? I think because I am a little bit of a type A person and I tend to really go, 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 that being on the yoga mat or working out is one of the places that I can fully take a breath. And breathing and getting oxygen into our system and into our bloodstream is so important to wellness and to our ability to focus. And so I think that sense of both stillness and focus and also energy is what I get out of my workouts, whether it's a really endorphin-inducing workout, riding 20 miles on the bike, or if it's an awesome, sweaty yoga class, or, you know, a small, tight bar fitness class. And so I also think that I miss classes. I miss being with other people. I've been doing virtual everything that I can think of, but I miss being with like-minded people in person. I try to do live classes, but it's really, you know, live stream, but it's just not the same. So there is something about, I think, people who crave fitness and and wellness that are like-minded, and I I miss that. Yeah, no, I miss that too. I do. You know, I miss being in person with people. It's definitely challenging. I do like a certain, a few classes on Zoom that I've been taking that I feel very connected to the instructor and the other, not so much the other people in the class, though. And I've always said, you know, that I'll try anything once. And that was really true 10, 15 years ago. But I'm still pretty much up for anything. So I I definitely went through a period where any new class that came along, I was diving in. And, you know, I very often met founders and brands and was turned on to new fitness brands or accessories that I ended up working with. So I've done everything from the S-Factor pole dancing. And I'm currently learning how to play pickleball. You know what? You're like the third person that's mentioned that. I still kind of have no idea what it is. This is my new endeavor for the winter is pickleball. Okay. Well, so what is it? <laughs> it's, a, it's a smaller court than a tennis court with a totally different kind of racket and a plastic ball, which doesn't bounce very much. So you really have to bend your knees. And there's all kinds of rules that I'm learning. You have to stay out of the kitchen and you have to let the ball bounce before you can hit it. But it's actually, it's fun. And so what happened to tennis? Tennis is going to be a lifelong challenge. Okay. As an entrepreneur, as somebody who's like generally really busy, plus you have two kids, even though I know they're older and working, but busy. So how do you make the time and how have you made the time in your life? And how does that fit into like how you're successful in your business? Somewhere I learned along the way that number one is to take care of myself. Number two is to make sure that my family is cared for. And then whatever time I have left over, I focus on my customers and my clients and my work. That's just the order for me. So if if I'm not feeling 100%, I know that nothing else is going to go right. So whether that's, you know, making myself get up a little earlier or setting aside an hour from 12 to 1 during the day to get some exercise or take a walk, I just really build it in. I just, it's just core to my day. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's the way you have to do it. And last, just wrapping up. What advice do you have for brands looking to test the waters, perhaps dial into the world of pop-ups? I would really first ask yourself, why am I doing this? What is it that I want to find out, that I want to learn, that I want to accomplish? So be really, really clear, not just I think I need to do a pop-up, but really understand whether it's I have inventory that I want to sell, I'm launching a new brand, I want to try a new market. Just be really clear about why you're doing it. And then 
Consider how much of your own time and resources you have to devote to this. Opening a pop-up shop or activation is very much like opening a new store. There are creative considerations, physical considerations, staffing, technology, marketing. So understand what internal resources you have available and what you need to bring in and then go about finding the best possible partners. So a great creative director, a great merchandiser or stylist, whether they come from your team or from the outside can just make a huge difference. The other piece of advice that that I would offer to people who are considering doing a pop-up or a shop in a shop or a collective with other brands is to study the context that you're going to be popping up in as much as you can. So really look at the people around your brand who you will be sharing space with because they will have a glow onto your brand and and the salespeople, the customer, all of those things are going to have impact. And so it's very important that you feel good about those personalities before you make a decision about what to do. That's really great advice. Right now, I think everybody's kind of in like in this holding pattern and people don't really know what they're doing. I mean, a lot of brands are focusing on digital and how they can leverage all the different platforms from TikTok to Instagram and Reels and Facebook and LinkedIn and and podcasting, you know, a lot of brands have podcasts now. I do think that it's like the next level of what brands need to do because it's just all about being where your consumers are. But I do think when people come back, that was a way that brands really connected with their consumers. I mean, especially at events and whether it was trade focused or consumer focused. So I do think that's good advice for a lot of the smaller brands, entrepreneurs, and obviously people can connect with you if they want to do a pop up concept. And and, they, and it should be fun. You know, I mean, part of it is the excitement of seeing something new and, and, you know, bringing people together. Where do you get your inspiration these days? What podcasts are you listening to or books are you reading? So in terms of what I'm loving these days for inspiration, I have to say I love the podcast, The Business of Fashion. I think especially the editor, Tim Blanks, is a great interviewer. And for me, learning about the fashion and retail business, about topics like sustainable design and manufacturing and distribution... This is relatively new for me, like let's say the last, you know, 15 years, the second half of my career, and I'm just eating it up. I'm soaking it up. It's like taking a history of fashion class every day. So I'm really enjoying that. And, you know, I I think I've read a lot of the same business books and books about entrepreneurism that a lot of people have. But a friend of mine wrote a book called Curation Nation that came out a few years ago. And he was really forecasting about how we all will learn to create and use content. And boy, was he right. Brands and founders have to think differently now about their communication with consumers. And one of the silver linings of the pandemic is seeing them really come forward and be the face of their brands, even if it wasn't planned, and and making the world of their brands present and inviting others to come into that. I completely agree. Well, this has been so great having you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Marnie. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. 
head over to our website, marnieonthemove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, marnieonthemove1 at gmail.com. And let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out 